Okay, and welcome to the show. So I first want to thank Betty Ryder. This is exactly what her front door looks like in Preston Center, Betty Ryder Boutique. And when you go in, if you see something, and you will, that you can't wait to buy, you get $100 off, because I said so. And don't forget to tell them. So go into Betty Ryder Boutique in Preston Center and peruse and get that $100 off. Okay, now we'll start the show. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. All right, grab your coffee cup, whatever you've got in it. Cheers to Cheers. my wonderful guest today, Kelly Fisher. And I will be telling you about her in just a minute. She is the executive vice president and CFO of the Texas Rangers Baseball Club. That's a really big deal. <laughs> All right, to begin with, you know what? I've been a woman business owner, uh, as you know, because I tell you every week, for over 25 years. And I've learned the importance of the skills it takes to be an entrepreneur, the leadership competencies it takes to run a business. I've certainly learned that I need encouragement a lot of the time. And we're going to be talking about all of those things. So let me get started. Lift as you climb is kind of the information we're going to be taking today from a speech that she gives regularly. If you haven't heard her, you need to hire her because it's fabulous. And it's all about her story. Part of it you'll learn today. I love it. Lift as you climb. It could be a mantra. It could be a blog. It could be a song. But what it is, is Kelly Fisher's way of leading in her role, as I said, as the executive vice president and CFO of the Texas Rangers Baseball Club. Whew, that's a lot. And you're so tiny to have that big title, Kelly. Uh, so I have so many questions about the, the game a little bit, but mostly about you and what it takes to run this organization. You know, I got to thinking about it, Kelly. As fans, we, we all get involved and we see the game through the eyes of the players. You know, we put on our baseball cap and we put on the jersey of our favorite player and then we get our lungs all lifted to yell them out right at the games. But I wanna to look today at the office, the behind the scenes, what it takes to run it because that is what you do. It's a huge financial organization, Kelly. Um, and I also want to talk about a woman that definitely has gone way through the glass ceiling and, and what it takes. And I want to touch on that because you're very big into wanting to lift other young women up. So let's get started. You ready? I'm ready. What'd you have for breakfast today? <laughs> ah, that's fun. I had um, Jurassic-sized grapes, the biggest grapes you could ever imagine. That is what I had. You could almost use a knife and fork with them. Uh, I got them at Central Market. 
and I had some uh, Greek yogurt with walnuts and berries. Does and it that was mean delicious. You eat healthily? I very much try. Do you? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. That's how you stay so spelt. <laughs> well, I try at that too. <laughs> Healthy is good, absolutely, especially doing the things you do. I have been watching Madam Secretary, mm -hmm. those episodes. We, I, we never saw them, and so every night my husband and I get in front of the TV and we've been watching that. And I just kept thinking as I've interviewed you before the show of all the things where, that are kind of related. And one of them, Kelly, is in the in the role that you have interacting with all kinds of senior leaders in New York and financiers and owners of the club, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just what do you do to chill? <laughs> that is a great question. Thank you. Um, well, I absolutely chill with wine. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. I, that's maybe my non-healthy thing that I do is, um, in the evenings, I generally have a glass or two of wine. My husband and I have a true passion for wine, so it's beyond just um, drinking it to have feel the effects. It's much more the pleasure of understanding the nuances of the different varietals, where they come from, the terroir that um, they were grown in, and uh, what pairs best with them. So I love to cook, and I cook almost every single night. And then my husband will pair the wine to it and it makes an evening an adventure. In fact, sometimes uh, I, I've even said to my husband like, wow, thank you for making tonight feel like a vacation because it truly can feel that way when we have a great um, bottle of wine and maybe sit outside and just talk about whatever we want to talk about that evening. And it just, you can forget about the day-to-day -day life if you're enjoying a moment like that. I do that when the Rangers aren't playing, by the way. Uh-huh, <laughs> all the year. <laughs> when the Rangers are playing, uh -huh. um, we will absolutely have that on or I'm at the game, it just depends. You know, that really resonates with me because I also love to cook, that's my passion. In fact, when I get stressed, that's what I do, go in the kitchen. It's awesome. I Isn't mean, it? you can forget about everything else because you're chopping and what three other things do you need to be trying to do and when are you trying to get it finished? There's a lot of logistics involved yes. and a little art, a little science. And all the, the wine, things. the yes. wine is good. Yes. Oh, all right, you're my kind of woman. Good. Well, let's keep going from there. So there must be a lot of challenges in what you do. Just kind of share with us how you get through them. <laughs> you know, it's that, is also another great question because it's it's changed over time for me. Mm -hmm. um, when I first was in the role and recognizing how much responsibility it involved, meaning uh, decisions I made in terms of what do I present to ownership, how do I present it, um, what am I seeing, what am I forecasting, is it good, is it bad, I don't want to overstate things. I don't want to understate things. I, could, I would let that uh, give me some angst and some anxiety. And I'm so grateful that I've learned ways to cope with it. And they're, they're funny in a way. Sometimes I will type up an email as if I'm going to send an email, say, to um, a, an owner or maybe a, a banker, perhaps. 
to try to explain something complicated. And I'll, I'll type it all up and lo and behold, as I type it, I'm working through, oh wait, the, I could word this better. Or you know what, I didn't think about this. Oh. And anticipating their questions or what things, what other things might, might arise from the conversation I was planning on having. So that's a great tool for me. That's a good idea. And I, I really enjoy that. Other times I will, I have a right hand that I work with a woman named Star Gulledge that I couldn't do the job without, honestly. And sometimes I'll, I'll pull her into my office. I'm like, let's talk about this. How does, does this make sense? Or what have we not talked about? And try to work through it that way. Mm-hmm. But if I get, I found that if I give myself a little bit of time, mm and a lot of grace. Um, I can generally work through, there isn't anything I've not been able to get through. And I also know that too, like every hurdle that has been thrown my way, I managed to get through it. That doesn't mean I didn't trip on that hurdle. Trust me, I've tripped, I've fallen, but I survived. And so once you think about it in that mindset, my goodness, what on earth could hit you, especially professionally? I mean, there are certainly, really tragic things that can happen in lives that you know you have to work through but a hundred percent in a career it, you're gonna solve it. It, it it may not solve exactly the way you dreamed but it absolutely can be it will be solved so do you journal i don't journal i i know that's a good thing and i i've keep wanting to try to do that but i haven't found the right way to do it for me yet mm-hmm. And the only reason I ask that is that sometimes uh, I, I journal more personally than I do professionally, but I do at least a little bit make note of maybe something that happened in the day that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. The ones that didn't go well, because those are the ones we can go back and look at. So, um, oh my gosh, so many questions <laughs> I want to ask. You know, let's go back to that first day. Your first day, you've got it, you've got the job. <laughs> Just tell us, go back, what did it feel like? <laughs> Are you sure you're ready for this? I am so ready for this, <laughs> this Kelly. Is a, this yes. is fun. So um, my very first day at the Rangers was in 1999. It was April 11th, and uh, the season had just started. And back then, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the name. He, he was a catcher for us, um, a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. A guy named Pudge Rodriguez was his baseball name, is his or, or his um, go by name, but he's Yvonne Rodriguez is his real name. And he's, uh, I was a, a fan, a casual fan when I was hired. I was, I'm very grateful that I was hired for my accounting skills um, that I had from public accounting days. So I'm being, my very first day on the job, I meet everybody I'm going to work with. And um, I was younger than virtually all of them by 10 years and they were all my staff and so that was daunting and eye-opening and 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 already just in that very first day a, a, a special moment but then I got a tour of the ballpark and this is the old ballpark that is now known as Choctaw Stadium mm-hmm. and my tour was really special because the team was out of town so I actually got to go down into the players clubhouse mm. And I, that is not, that was certainly back then. And even today it was, it's not very common that um, employees go in there that don't have a a need to be in there. Uh, So this was very special. 
and we go down in there and um, I'm getting a tour of the lockers and uh, all the different spaces and it was really special. You could see each player's name and their um, shoes and their uniforms <laughs> that they didn't have with them. You know, it looks like a, a closet with very limited selection of wardrobe. Um, but each one of them, you know, had stuff in there, kind of personal. This, these are the things that the normal fans didn't see, okay? Mm. And then, as I'm looking through the clubhouse and I nod, I'm seeing the dining room, out walks 100% buck naked, not a stitch of clothing on Pudge Rodriguez. And let me tell you, that was a moment. <laughs> and it was the first time I've seen someone like him without anything. And I will never, I remember thinking, well, I love this job. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> it was a special moment. And um, yeah, so that was my first day. I'll never forget it. Um, I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> Me too. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I have shared that story, but uh, and, and I think even eventually Pudge himself uh, figured it out, found out years later. I know he would have remembered in the moment because he was, it was embarrassing and awkward for both of, of us. And he then went and did his thing and I went on and never forgot it, you know, and it's lasered into my memory. Don't tell my husband, but he probably knows. Uh, but uh, many, many years later, he actually got much more involved with the business side. He retired from baseball. And so I've, I've traveled with him for various reasons. And it's just, it's a hoot that I had that one oddly intimate moment. I can just imagine now when you see him, you both must burst out in laughter. Well, I, I don't think he, I don't, he, look, he's a professional athlete. I think sure. he's used to people seeing him that way. I don't think he felt as awkward about it as I did. I and I don't remind him of it. No. That's, that just isn't really necessary. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad we got into that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I was thinking about, uh, and it, great that you talked about you love to cook and the wine and all of that. We'll talk about that later. So if you, if you had a wonderful dinner party and you could invite anyone you wanted from even if they're dead, mm -hmm. let's just say anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you could invite, let's just say three people um, or four, whatever you want to say, it's your dinner party. <laughs> Who would they be and what would you talk about? Oof. Wow, what a fun question. So um, Julia Child, I would absolutely invite her. I really respect and admire her story. Mm -hmm. um, I've had the, you know, just from movies and, and different things, you know, truly understand what a special woman she was. Um, Vuve Clicquot, and I won't say it properly, but the Widow Clicquot, um, you know, the, the Champagne House. Oh, oh, yes. She was in her 20s and in the 1800s, I, I might get some of this detail wrong, mm -hmm. uh, but her, she was widowed and left with this unbelievably significant Champagne House and then forced to try to truly take it on 100% on, on her own. So to, me, to be a woman in business in that era in that uh, particular uh, industry, I think is truly unique. Mm -hmm. And let's see, um, 
gosh, I, like a Jackie O maybe, I don't know. And, and, and you notice I'm not saying anyone in sports and that's uh -huh. not because I'm wanting to omit that by any stretch. I just, I've had a wonderful career of getting to meet very special people in that industry. And so I think if I had, if I could have anybody over in my personal time, it would, it would probably pertain to fashion food wine. Outside of that. Yeah. That's girly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, invite me, would you? I would. Please. I'm Valerie. I goofed. Right. I should have included I can talk you. wine too. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> you know, outside of your role, I'll just ask it this way. Where do you find your joy? Gosh, uh, people. Mm. And, and that's inside my role though, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I love to learn. I love to learn um, to, to be a better human. So I like to read a lot of um, self-help books, things like that sounds so, oh no, Me you know, too. not special, Go but there. Yeah. I, I'm currently reading a book called Younger Next Year. And this book's been out a while, but it was recommended to me by a friend. And it's, I can already tell it's going to help me be much more healthy. So I love that. Um, true crime. I'm addicted to true crime. The Murdoch murders. Oh my, talk about a podcast. I, I have listened to that, a, a particular podcast on that subject. Uh, I've invested almost two years of my really? 30 minutes at a time <laughs> listening to it because huh? it's so different than any day-to-day -day life I interact with. So, Which is the point, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I yeah. go home and watch sports again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe in review. Right, I do, I do that too, so. Do you like to take vacations with family or would you go with some gal friends? Both, um, both. I am so blessed to have really strong girlfriends. Uh, small groups though. I'm an introvert. Uh, I know that through and through. So I, when I have personal time, I choose to spend it with uh, a very select few individuals uh, based on the comfort I feel around them mm -hmm. and the value of the time together that we have with each other. Yeah. And the, those friends are generally a, a handful from my college days and then a handful from my, we call it our, our board of directors and they're all professional women that I have met over time uh, and just all different ages. Mm -hmm. I love being around younger and older women. Mm -hmm. um, it's so special. And of course my husband, he's my favorite person to travel with. He's my, he's in, and he's the, my favorite person on the planet to be with. Oh, so he would be I at my that. dinner party and I failed to mention that because it's a given. Well, well it is, <laughs> so, that's okay. He won't get offended. He won't, we'll he cut knows. cut this part out of <laughs> He knows. You know, I, uh, interesting that you mentioned going with uh, a smaller group mm -hmm. of women. I have a really good friend, uh, one of several, but she is, she set up us going to Italy in May for six days at a cooking school outside of Rome, oh a little goodness. tiny town. I will tell you audience about it when we get back, but it's going to be so awesome. All the things you're talking about. So, oh, that sounds amazing. That's joy too, So I would right? like to be invited to your house for dinner when okay. you get back. There you go, <laughs> might do that. We'll cook together. How's I love that? it, I love it. You uh, have a, 
a heart string for younger women and they need it. Mm -hmm. I just had a show last, last time actually about the Gen Z generation. Do you have any Gen Z people working for you? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. Well, what would you say is different about that generation or not? <laughs> that, I see differences and similarities. Um, there are, and, and I see it because I think there's, there's different types of women. Conf levels of confidence is, is what I tend to notice mm. most. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some that their confidence level in all sincerity is disproportionate with the skill sets I think that they possess today. Uh, doesn't mean they won't grow into that confidence mm -hmm. justifiably. So, but today I'm, I, I feel like, okay, let's focus more on the tasks and a little less on the confidence. And then I see the exact opposite, which was much more akin to my younger days, a, a disproportionately lack of confidence versus the skill set that they already possess. And it's a fascinating dynamic and needs to be managed completely differently. And that's a, a challenge. And, and especially when they work side by side, which mm. is exactly what I have in some instances. And you just, you, I'm paying attention to it and learning a little bit on the fly myself with, okay, how do I manage this differently than, you know, her versus her? And mm -hmm. it's a fascinating situation. And all leaders are in that situation. Sure. The statistics are, they're going to be running our countries, companies. And they'll be great. And they will be great. Because everybody thought that about my generation or your generation or, sure. or our generation. And likewise, that, oh my gosh, these, these women and men will be running the country. And it's like, yeah, we and will. it takes all kinds. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have a big question for you. Why are you still here after all these years? <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been with the Rangers for 23 years. <laughs> and there's, there isn't anything the same today, certainly as it was 23 years ago, but really five years ago, hmm. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It, our organization has evolved so much. Um, I would be bored to tears if nothing changed. And I've, I sometimes struggle with the concept that my title hasn't changed. And not that I'm expecting or wanting it to, but it's just, I have the same title. I basically sit in the same chair, but nothing about the job is the same. And I love that. I love the challenge of it, mm. but I love having the, having the seasoning that I have that I can bring in addition to the challenge of, of new things. Uh, as I said before, I love learning, learning new things. We do a lot of real estate now that we didn't do any real estate right. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we were trying, but we couldn't get it to work and now it's working. And I mean, um, we're always buying something, selling something, we're constantly um, adding this or divulging of that. It's just fascinating to me. And the, the different people that we interact with just 
what I love it. That's what I love about a CFO role. There isn't anything our business does or any business mm -hmm. that doesn't ultimately have a financial impact. Absolutely. So it's it's ultimately going to cross my desk, whether it happens beforehand because of forecasting and budgeting and talking about things in the future, or it could hit after the fact that a deal was done, you know, offsite or outside of my um, being in the room, which happens, that's part of the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I'm ultimately going to find out and it's, wow, that is what a neat, cool bird's eye view to be in. Mm. That's why you're still there. That is why I'm still there. <laughs> So I ask you some of your key takeaways from your life's journey, and let's go there. Is mm -hmm. that okay? I sure. Wanna, I want to get your thoughts on these. Um, one of them is to obviously, I'll, I'll mention a couple that are pretty standard, and mm -hmm. anybody has to be flexible. Sure. That's one of them, be flexible. Yep. Yes, absolutely right. Be a joy to be around. <laughs> I love that, Kelly. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm going to say it in a fun, negative way, but I'm just not this. I'm not always the smartest person in the room. You got to be the smartest person in the room and never slip up if you're going to be a grump. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's one way <laughs> to look at it. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy person. <laughs> oh. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's a, um, a conscious effort. And, and there are times that it's really hard to do. And there are times I'm not always able to do it. But I'm conscious of it and I try to turn it around and the more I am conscious of it, the more others around me are and I love to laugh. I am, have a sense of humor. Thank goodness I have a sense of humor and I'm so grateful to get to laugh even when things are really hard because they get hard, right. you know. So what a, what a joy to recognize being a joy is helpful. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for that. That is so interesting. I'm going to take that to heart because I would never think when I'm really frustrated to laugh. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to try, try that. The other one that uh, is really important, this whole imposter syndrome for younger women, any woman, and men, I think. I did a research on this um, confidence thing when mm -hmm. you get to the top. And, mm -hmm. I, and every single person to the person, when I said, do you ever doubt yourself? Yeah. <laughs> every single person. And then I said, do others know it? Some people said, they, I tried so that they don't. Mm -hmm. And others were very vulnerable, say, absolutely. What would your take be? Would you be on the vulnerable side or mm -hmm. would you be on the, no, I don't want people to see any cracks? <laughs> um, I'm much more the vulnerable side. I find that being honest with yourself and others is, has served me well. Mm. Uh, does that mean every single instance, you know, as soon as I have self-doubt, I'm going to go, oh, I'm doubting this. No, of <laughs> no. course not. Uh, and, and one of the things I like to say is I have continued to prove myself wrong enough times when I am doubting an ability or um, a skill set or, or a um, outcome. Mm -hmm. I have found that I've proven myself wrong. So when I'm doubting myself, I generally 
immediately try to go to, all right, you can tackle this. And then, and then I try to think about what are all of the real, what's the worst possible thing that could happen in this situation? Like, let's go to the absolute dark, uh, darkest thing. Like, let's say it's a job situation. I get fired. Well, I'll get another job. The world will keep spinning. And my staff get tired of me saying that because I say it all the time. The world will keep spinning. <laughs> we'll That's figure true. this out. <laughs> but so it's going to keep spinning no matter what. <laughs> So, and sometimes, you know, especially being in sports, I have to, we take a step back and go, this is sports. This isn't life and death. This is sports. Mm. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that there's not really critical, important things. And uh, we have to meet deadlines, all those situations. Mm -hmm. But when you think about the absolute worst thing that could happen, and then you try to tell yourself, well, how would I get through that? Then it's just not that bad. And you can tackle it. And if need be, I do want to be honest, though, with others I'm working with, especially if it's something that I'm maybe being uh, tasked with thinking I have experience in an area. And if I don't, I, it's, I'm better served to share, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have experience in this area, but here's how I think we should tackle it and let's talk about it. And, you know, so there's a, it's a level of candor. It just it's bespoke. You have to think Finesse. about it. <laughs> Finesse. Finesse. Yes. Finesse. Perfectly said. Finesse. That's, that's wonderful. I was fascinated by your story of your mom, Roxy, and her education and your education. Just quickly, can you give us that story in a nugget? Absolutely. beautiful. Thank you. My mom and dad um, got divorced when I was five. And my mom actually remarried for a very short period of time. It was a mistake, and she knew that. So when they split up, my mom was faced with a situation where she could not take care of my brother and I without really, she didn't have an education. And she knew if only she had had an education she would be better equipped to take care of the two of us. My brother was 14, I was eight at the time. And you know, when she was growing up, you had two choices. You were a secretary or a housewife. And that was not what she wanted for me. And so at that moment, when she's in this really tough financial crisis hmm. of needing to, to face her, to take care of her two kids, she started sharing with me, I want you to get an education. You need to be self-reliant mm. and I'm doing this for you. And, and it became such a common conversation, one way conversation <laughs> between the two of us. I never questioned it. I never thought anything different. But what I think is so wonderful about my mom is she backed it up. So she, she and my dad reconciled. They've now been back together for well over 40 years and so have an unbelievable marriage. Um, I am so great. And, and I was eight. So all I've ever really seen is that, that successful marriage. Uh -huh. And mom didn't have to go back to school. She was in a good position, but she did. And she wanted that for herself. And I know she also wanted me to see that. So I was in high school. She is, this is the 80s. She's in her mid to late 30s. 
She enrolls in the University of Houston. She graduates summa cum laude. Oh my goodness. Of University of Houston. This is not a small school. And not only did she graduate summa cum laude, she went on to have a multi-decade, we're talking almost 30 year career uh, in interior design at an architecture firm in Houston and then ultimately ended up uh, working for herself as an entrepreneur. And her talent is unbelievable. Her business savvy and really her just mm. go get them is more than any daughter could possibly wish for. And I'm so grateful. I was too young to appreciate it then, but there's no question that that time we spent together, because I helped her study a little bit when I was in high school. <laughs> that interesting. Yes, yes. And uh, so that time together, and then going through careers together, because her career was really launching at about the same time mine was. Oh and um, a funny story, when I was at Baylor, I switched majors from pre-med of all things to accounting because I just had found, found my joy in the business school and knew, oh, these are my people, this is my thing, and accounting was just easy, actually. So I went into that and I told my parents what I was going to be, and my mom cried. She was like, no, not in a good way. It was sad. Oh, she just, was she's sad. like, because she was a designer at this time, and she's like no one ever designs good rooms for accountants. <laughs> she was convinced like all the banks and things like they, you know, where, where their auditors would go. She was just devastated. She's like, you have a personality. I just don't think you should be an accountant. And um, you can hardly have a conversation with her now where she doesn't share like my daughter's an accountant and she's a CFO <laughs> for the Texas Ranger. Da, da, da. So it ended up working out, of course, but it's kind of funny that she came from that really fun, artsy, um, very technical but artsy creative side and I was not that but we both ended up being very successful business women. Well I'm going to push back because I think what you do is a lot of creativity (laughs) Kelly. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, This has just been fascinating and and I know that you were rushing to get here. You were (laughs) you've got a busy day. It's a Friday and you still have to go back to work. So just thank you for from my heart to yours. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity. What an honor to be invited to sit with you. So thank you, Valerie. You are so welcome. Audience, you just need to share this one all over the place. Will you do that? (laughs) And stay tuned because Kelly, I always leave with a, I call it a Valerieism. And it's just kind of a philosophical statement. But this one is all about yours. Because I just want to say, always lift others up and you'll fail less, fall less. That's what I meant to say. Always lift others up and you'll fall less. And I found that to be true. And God knows, probably in your life too, there have been people that have pulled me down. But you know what? People can pull you down, step on you, push you around. But as you said earlier, in our conversation before the show and in the pre-interview, it's how you recover, Mm -hmm. it's how you get up. So audience, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever, ever, ever give up. You got a dream, you got a competency, you got a skill, you've got something you're going for. No matter who says don't, 
don't believe him. That actually happened to me. I had a businessman I was in partnership with, and he said, oh, Valerie, you don't want to focus on people skills. You need to stay in sales training. <laughs> and I didn't listen. <laughs> so there you go. So listen up. I want you to know something. I'm announcing it now. My book, Monday Morning Leadership for Women, which I knew had been, has been and is being used in companies in their mentoring programs because it's about mentoring and, and coaching and a story of two people that talk, two women. One's a mentor, one's a mentee, and all the lessons that they learn. Well, guess what? Perfect to build a course around. Certainly, I am doing that. It will be finished soon, and you stay tuned because you can be a part of an eight-week program. I can't wait, and I hope you can either. Until next time, stay the course, stay authentic. Cheers. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.